0: It took me a long time to discover what a simple wonder water will do for you. We'll be leaving this afternoon for an annual conference. Brad will be attending his 18th annual conference. 19th, 19th. I was in the womb the first time. <laughs> that a pretty good record, right? Keep him straight. He's got just about as good a record in this School class. He started attending this class at the age of 12. The only time that he has been absent was when the band was on tour and when we were on vacation. And when I was out those few weeks with my back, he was here. So that's a pretty good record for this class as well. Well, and didn't they say he had the record for the longest being an acolyte? Yes, he has a record of serving as an acolyte for the longest period of time in Muncie Church, and he was mm-hmm. rewarded with a hymn of full I've <coughs> got to share this with you, and I'm taking a big risk because the tape recorder is running. Okay. You warned about the uh, Virginia Creeper bike trail. Mm -hmm. But you all know that we went to Dark Hollow, our retreat in Virginia on the occasion of Red's graduation. I didn't go bike riding. I had enough sense. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Carlene wrecked on the trestle, grabbing the trestle to ride herself and fill her hand with splinters. Get her chin. Why don't I get a little sympathy out of you? Yeah. <laughs> so you're having to, you may have to do some cooking now. Haven't yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> when cooking's to be done at our house, Brad usually comes through. He knows it's too big a risk. Kind of limited to put it on the table. He does better. See. He's a great cook, too, by the extent. You should have good good pancakes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we came to have a lesson. <laughs> In the book of Acts, there is an account of Peter and John climbing the steps of the temple. Past a man who had been lame from birth, begging alms. And they paused for a moment and Peter had compassion on him. And he said, silver and gold I have none. But what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. The man leaped up to his feet and went away rejoicing over the miracle of his healing. Two priests, contemporary, of us, were climbing the steps to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome surrounded by all of the riches and the wealth of the Vatican. One turned to the other and said, if Peter were here today, he couldn't say, silver and gold have I none. The other priest answered, but neither can we say, stand up and walk. The role of the church is twofold, physical and spiritual. Healing is a part of our heritage, a part of our history, but we have such feelings about healing yeah. in the church today because we're uncertain as to what the possibilities are and how to utilize the gift of healing in our spiritual faith. But it is a twofold emphasis. One needs to be balanced with the other. Robert Thomas grew up in the rolling hills of Pennsylvania. As a young boy, he was asked many times, what are you going to do when you grow up? And his answer usually was one or the other. Either I'm going to be a minister or I'm going to be a doctor. He wanted to do both. He loved the possibilities of both. But when he became a young man, graduated from high school, He decided that he would become a minister, and he went to Syracuse University, received his ministerial training, and then was given a circuit in upstate New York, which he served as a young, single minister. The churches were small, the people were few. He had such enthusiasm for spreading the gospel he thought of the thousands of people around the world who had no one to tell them about Christ. And he decided then and there that he wanted to be a missionary where he could speak to thousands of people about the gift of Christ. And so he received training and was sent to Malaya, the island of Penang. He said the island of Pinyang was one of the most beautiful spots in all the world. It was unbelievable in its pristine beauty, magnificent homes which housed the rich Chinese and Western farmers who owned the land and filled the land, but the people who worked in the fields were poor, ignorant. The society was so retarded, there was no health care for the people And he found people dying of diseases that long had disappeared from the American life. And yet these diseases were taking its toll daily on the people. And he said it became more difficult every day to tell them about a life after this life when I could offer them nothing for the fulfillment of life in this world. How he wanted to give them healing as well as spiritual healing. And so he made a decision, and he came back to America, enrolled in the university, spent eight years getting a medical degree so that he could go back to Malaya and minister to their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. In the meantime, he fell in love with Eva. They were married, and then she became ill, and the doctor said she can never go back to Malaya because... Her illness is such that she will have to be within an hour's drive of a hospital. But just at that moment, word came that there was an opening for a missionary in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. A man by the name of Hitman read the journals of Francis Asbury and fell in love with what Asbury had experienced in the Great Smoky Mountains. And he came and he saw how badly that sick. The circumstances were, (coughs) (laughs) and so he went back and with his Methodist friends they burned up property in Sevier County and established Pittman Center, built a school, built a clinic, built a small church. Now they needed a missionary. A missionary ready to go back to Malaya was available because he couldn't go back and so he was sent to Pittman Center. And for over 30 years, he ministered to the mountain people. He found conditions more primitive here than even in Malaya. In Malaya, there was over a hundred Methodist missionaries, only one medical doctor. In a 200-mile radius of Severe County, there were no medical doctors. And he took on the job of meeting the physical needs as well as the spiritual needs of Pitman sin. <laughs> he was a man of deep love and compassion he gained such respect in the medical field that he was offered a partnership in a Acuff Clinic in Knoxville the most prestigious medical clinic in that day he prayed about it for a long time, he wanted badly to do it the mountain people needed him, no one was there to take his place and he said no and he stayed among the people whom he served in their ignorance and poverty. I knew Robert Thomas, a dear friend of mine. He was more nearly a person of Jesus Christ than anyone I've ever known. More than one I expect to know. If you go to Sevierville today, you'll find the Sevier County Hospital with a name across the front, Robert F. Thomas Medical Center. If you go to Pigeon Forge in Dollywood, if you get tired, you'll find a little mountain church and on the front of the church it says the Robert F. Thomas Memorial Chapel. Two shrines, one to the Spirit and one to the body by a man who came and filled God. That's exactly what Jesus did. And in our lesson today, we're introduced to that two-fold ministry as Jesus comes back to Capernaum from having visited synagogues all over the land. He moved from Nazareth, his childhood home, and now from the rest of his ministry, Capernaum would be his home. He had returned to Capernaum, whether it was his home or the home of someone else, many think it was possibly Peter's home because <coughs> Peter lived in Capernaum, but when Jesus arrived, his reputation had spread so widely that he had hardly entered the house when the people came in droves to hear him speak. In those days in Palestine, every door was open to every house. No house ever closed to others. He had the freedom to walk in and out at leisure. And they soon filled the house where Jesus was. Fill the doorway. Fill the property outside the doorway so that no one could approach. And his voice carried out all their phones as he spoke to them. But there was, was a man who was paralytic and he had four dear friends who said if we could only get our friend there and he touched them he could heal them. What a yeah. chance was for them. And so they picked up their friend fabricated a cot on which to carry him and the four carried him to the house where Jesus was speaking but they couldn't get near they couldn't even get close to the entrance much less through it and in desperation they climbed up on the roof and they dug a hole in the roof and lowered their friend down into the room where Jesus stood they positioned him so that he came right in front of Jesus and there they waited Jesus to respond. Jesus was thrilled. Faith was evident in the four men who brought their friend. It's interesting as the Bible tells the story. Jesus was impressed by their faith. No mention made of the faith of the patient, but the men who brought in their faith emphasizing the power of our faith, influencing the needs of our friends, of other people. The Christian faith is not a solitary religion, but we are dependent upon one another, and the faith of one will carry over into the life of another. Remember when Jesus began his ministry in Nazareth, came back to his home synagogue, and the Bible says... He could, know, he could do no great things among them because of their lack of faith. It appears that even the power of Jesus is limited to the faith of those who would receive the gifts of his power. There was faith, the faith of the four, who allowed Jesus to minister to the man who had been placed in front of him. And our, Bible, and our lesson writer mentioned the second aspect that caught the attention of Jesus. And that was the boldness of the They were not to be turned away because of the crowds. They were on a mission so important that they found a way to fulfill their mission. They were bold enough to climb upon the roof, to dig a hole in the roof, and lower the man down to where Jesus would sit. Again, the need for boldness in our relationship with Christ. We must not be timid in our witness of Christ. We must not be timid in our expectations of what Christ can do for us. Boom! This is at the very heart of Christian com- commitment and it is something that was expressed in this scene that is badly needed in the lives of all of us today and particularly his church. And the third aspect that our lesson writer brings out is the fact that That they work together. One person can do some things, but when you incorporate the abilities of one, magnified by those who stand beside him and contribute to him, much more can be done. It is when we work together and not simply that we can accomplish the most in the life of the church. These three were present, and Jesus was aware of these three aspects. And Jesus put it in a priority. They had brought their friend there to be healed. He was paralyzed, and they knew that Jesus could heal him. And they expected Jesus to reach out and to heal him. But Jesus surprised them. Instead of bringing him physical healing, he put a priority above that. He needed spiritual healing. Jesus knew the heart of the man. He knew that if he was sent away healed and nothing more, that probably the problems that he had faced in the past would remain with him and he would perhaps get sick once again. And so Jesus did the thing that was needed most of all. He needed spiritual healing. Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Having forgiven the man for his sins, And the next step was rise up take your mat and go home. And the man rose up took his (coughs) mat completely healed spiritually and physically. It set in force a controversy that would follow Jesus for the rest of his ministry. How dare you forgive one of their sins said the members of the Community who were there present when Jesus healed him, you dare speak for God. Only God can forgive sins, and that was to stay with Jesus as long as he taught. There were two other portions of the Book of Mark that were not discussed. Both of which brought the ire of the Sanhedrin upon him. The second was when he healed a man with a with a withered hand in the synagogue. He was on the Sabbath day. You don't heal on the Sabbath. That is to break the Sabbath law. He was a man whose hand was withered. Jesus had compassion upon him. And he healed. And they conspired then as to how they could get rid of this man. Who dared not only to say that he can forgive sins. But that he would heal and break the Sabbath law. And then the third incident that is told in our Bible lesson was the feeding of the 5,000 on the hillside. Once again, bringing miracle into the position of meeting the needs of it. We must never forget that the Christian faith is a miraculous faith. Expect miracles and receive the miracles. It is not an ism like the other isms of the world. Socialism and communism and materialism that it is a spiritual force filled with miracles available to all of us when we have faith when we have boldness and when we have community of faith Jesus wants to heal us when we're in need of healing. not because that was what he came into the world to do he didn't, he came into the world to reveal the kingdom of heaven but out of compassion he healed and when they foretold the coming of the Messiah they said one way by which you will know that he is the Messiah because he will heal the sick he will bring good news to the poor and he will heal the sick we downplay the possibilities of healing in our present day church because we're so scientific-minded, so minded toward things that have to be analyzed and understood before they become reality. We have such opportunities within our Christian faith to experience <laughs> the miracles of Christ every day. miracle of healing is the one that is the most elusive because we experience healing on the one hand, and the refusal for healing on the other and we weigh it one against the other. Why is it that one person is healed and another person is not healed? Well, I venture to you that everyone who has faith and approaches Christ will be healed. Maybe not cured, but healed. And there's a difference. Too many times we interchange the two words and we limit Jesus to do what he can do. It would be unrealistic to think that everyone who is sick has immediate healing on the hand of Christ. In every instance, if that were true, the world would be filled with people who never die because every time they get sick, they're healed. There is a mix that we can't understand, but we do know the possibilities of physical wholeness, of being cured. But In every instance of sincerity and faith, there is healing. Let me give you a personal experience of that. That's how I know the fact best. My wife, Miriam, died of cancer. (coughs) Nobody was more surprised that she died than she was. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer, it was just a matter of well, I'm just going to have to buckle down and do what has to be done, and that's what she did. Never dreaming that at the end of that drama would be her death. She lived her life fully, expectantly. She went into the chemotherapy treatment, and the chemotherapy had absolutely no effect upon her condition at all. A condition worse Friends of the church prayed for Of course they prayed for her. It was the pastor's wife. It would be expected that everyone, at every time they were meeting, they would have prayers. With minister friends all over the conference, all of the ministers were praying. I know of two bishops, Bishop Finger, who kissed her every time he saw her out of his compassion. And Bishop Earl Hunt, who came out of the church that I was serving, and became I became his pastor in absentia. Everybody was praying, even at the beginning of her illness, the doctor said there's no reason that this can't be cured by medical practice. There was a group from Chattanooga, the church that I had just served before I came to First Church, and there was a deep spiritual group there who had been praying so hard, and one of them had a dream one night that they yes. came, and that they ministered to men and that God healed her through them, and they called and asked if they could come, and I said, of course you can come, and they came, and they spent the day with me, and, and they prayed, all the many things that they did together of which I'm not privy, I wasn't there. But when the day was over, Marian was filled with excitement and joy. She said to me, I've been healed. I've never felt so close to Christ. I had an experience with Christ that I can't put into words. I can't tell you about it. It's so personal. It's so deep. Someday I want to tell you about it, but I can't tell you about it now. And she told her closest friends, He healed me because it was such a deep, moving experience. But when she went in for her examination, it was there. She had not been cured, but her experience with Christ transformed her life. From that moment on, she was a different person. She wanted to be sure that everything was well between her and everyone else. And we have a counselor in our conference for ministers' families. He's a personal friend of ours. And she asked if she could have some sessions with him. And she did. He told me later, she gave me so much more than I ever gave to her. I can't believe the person that she was. She was loved by everyone during these days as she prepared for bed. We sat down on her bed in the hospital, and took a notepad, and she outlined her memorial service and everything that was to be done. We had a couple in our church in Chattanooga who were professional singers, a young man and a young woman who was in charge of our youth program. And they spent three months of the year on tour all over the United States, holding seminars and giving concerts. They were now in Atlanta, and they came up at her request to saying at her memorial service, he touched me and made me whole. She was healed in that in that moment of encounter. She was not cured, but she was healed so that her body was totally pure in every respect, in her relationship with people, in her attitude about life, in her expectations. God spared her pain. The doctor taught me how to give her morphine, gave me a vial to put in my refrigerator and a, and a needle with which to give it, but it lay there never touched. The week before she died, we went to Grandfather Mountain. The boys went hiking and we enjoyed the beauty. Came back that evening and went over to the to the Nolichucky River to a restaurant there for a Mexican dinner. Next week she was gone. God gave her all the graces of dying and the legacy that is unpunished. That's healing. Not curing. If curing was simply a matter of health, restored. You can be cured and be the same old curmudgeon you were living the same kind of distasteful <laughs> life that you chose. Or you can be healed. And that's where the real power of Christ lies. Is in spiritual healing. And so Jesus, on the day that the man was brought to him for healing, gave him health to cold. He gave him spiritual healing and then gave him physical healing. And that's the legacy of Christ for the church today.